Sunday preaching on this last of the seven churches. And honestly, in many ways, this church shows us how not to be a church of love as we look at their example. Someone once said the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is indifference. And as we look at this particular church, they were indifferent. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 through the end of the chapter as we look at this letter from our Lord Jesus to the church. Revelation three fourteen. if you'll stand in his honor as I read aloud. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from the gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see those whom I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Let's pray. Father, this is what you say to the churches, not merely the church. To us who all make up a part of the churches as the church. Lord, you know where we are. And as we look at this last letter. Father, we just ask that your spirit would be free to speak to us. In this word to the church at Laodicea. And Father, may we just simply follow you. We thank you for how you have spoken thus far. And we just ask you to continue to speak. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I know a lot of people that love vacations. And there are a lot of commercials that talk about vacation areas and how wonderful they are. Imagine a commercial with a vacation area that talked about hot springs that you can enjoy cold day. Plenty of sporting events to watch, professional sporting events, great theater to be able to watch many of the plays, casinos to be able to gamble in, stores everywhere with designer clothes, you know, these outlets so that you're able to get great deals on being able to buy clothing. And then, as you come to the end of the commercial, it says, Come join us at the city of Laodicea. This was the place where this church resided. It it was a, a city that was very popular. It was a place people wanted to go. 
because of all of the luxuries that they were able to enjoy. And it was also a prime medical center that was known for the breakthroughs in, in medicine of that day. And they were also physical fitness nuts in Laodicea. There was so much money floating around. There was a great banking there in that area as well. And as a matter of fact, there was an earthquake that destroyed many of the buildings. And they said, we don't need money from the Roman Empire. We have enough money to build it back ourselves. So this was a very fashionable place that was right on the cutting edge of culture. It was a place where people wanted to be. And Jesus comes and he speaks to the church in this place of Laodicea. And here is what he says. He says to the angel of the church in Laodicea, write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. So as Jesus reveals himself to the church, he first says, I am the Amen. And and the word can literally be translated certainty of truth. It means so be it. So when someone amens a, a preacher's sermon, they're saying, yeah, so be it. And with the words of Christ, he is saying, my words are the certain final word to be obeyed. And then secondly, he's faithful in his consistent witness. He says, I only tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Made me think of Numbers 23, 19 in the New Century Version that says, God is not a human being and he does not lie. God is not human and he will not change his mind. What he says, he will do. What he promises, he makes come true. And then thirdly, we learn in this description of his creative work. Notice it it says in the text here that he is the ruler of God's creation. In some translations, it talks about the firstborn. Of creation, and, and basically the phrase means he is the source and the sustainer of all that is created, everything that is made. That's our Lord. He's supreme in everything. But there's a diagnosis that is given to this church. Notice what he says here in verse 15 I know your deeds. That you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were one or the other. There are two extremes here. You're either hot or you're cold. But not this church. This church is considered to be lukewarm. This church is considered to be indifferent. It reminds me of the little girl that went to church and she came home and they said, What did you learn in Sunday school, honey? And she said, well, there was a verse. And she meant to quote the verse that said, many are called, but few are chosen. But it came out like this. Many are cold and a few are frozen. (laughs) And, And this was the church where many were cold. And there were even a few that were frozen in their faith. These hot springs, oftentimes by people... By the time they received the water, they had to travel through an aqueduct that was six miles long. And by the time the water came, it was no longer hot, but it was merely lukewarm. 
It was not what was expected. I like coffee in the morning. And this is my typical morning. We make the coffee. Cindy and I come, we sit down, we start talking. About halfway through my coffee, it's lukewarm. So I get up and I head to the microwave to reheat it. This morning I got up before her and drank my coffee before she got up, so it stayed hot. So which means I must be doing a lot of talking for it to get cold. But in, in this case here, he's saying, this is a picture of compromise. He said, I don't want you to be a, a church that is indifferent a church of compromise. I don't want everyone else to look at you and say, well, they're one person in church, but when they get out of the church, they're just like everybody else. I don't see a real love for Jesus. I, I don't see anything that's different. And it should be different. This is a this church of Laodicea, it's a place where the people say one thing, but that is not who they are. Notice what he says. Man, what a rebuke. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. Man, that's some frightening words. In other words, church, you guys nauseate me. What a rebuke that is given before this church. And notice as he goes on and describes them, you describe yourself as rich. Man, we have it all at our church. We've acquired wealth. We don't need a thing. But that's not how Jesus sees them. He says, but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. So he gives them a Prescription. He says, this is how you really are, but this is not how I want you to continue. And, and notice the prescription that he gives to the church. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich. It is a picture of faith that has gone through the struggle, that has gone through the fire, and it has come out purified. He's saying, don't just have a faith that means nothing. Have a faith that goes through the fire, but comes out stronger as it is made pure in that trial. It reminds me of 1 Peter 1, 7, where he says, These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine. And may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. And this is the call to have that type of faith. I read a story about a lady in college that talked about a friend of hers in high school who was a Jehovah's Witness and came to her with a declaration. Either you become a part of the church of Jehovah's Witnesses or we can no longer be friends. And she said, I can't do that. My loyalty is to Jesus Christ. I am a Christian. And so he said goodbye. And he estranged himself from her. But then, three or four years later, he contacted her. And he said, I have left the church of Jehovah's Witnesses. I, I begin to ask questions. Why won't they let me study other faiths? 
Why are they afraid of me learning Greek and, and Hebrew and trying to look at the original languages? I mean, shouldn't the Watchtower magazines, shouldn't the, the, the scriptures of the Jehovah's Witnesses, shouldn't they be proven by the original language, not disproven? And, and so as he asked these questions, he said, I, I'm going to look in other churches for truth. But the cost of that was his family and his friends rejected him. He was, became an outcast in his own home. But he became a part of the family of God as he placed his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Second piece of counsel he gives us, he talks about to wear white garments of faithfulness. He says, in white clothes to wear. He, he's saying to them too, he says, although you sell these clothes, although you're well known for your clothing, actually, you are covered with shameful nakedness. You are not clothed in these beautiful clothes as you so see yourself. You do not have the purity of Christ that you are called to have. And then third, south to anoint their eyes. Notice in his prescription, he says to them, and south to put on your eyes so that you can see. They were known for a type of powder, a type of ointment to put on your eyes in order to help your vision, to improve failing vision. They were popular for that. And he said, although you are popular for this powder that is literally used not only here in Laodicea, but all over the world to where it is exported, even though you're known for this, you yourselves cannot see. You are blind to the things of God. Your eyes are closed. And he wants them to receive new vision so that they can see the needs that are around them and no longer be indifferent, but gain a new heart and a new compassion for the people that are around them so that they can spot danger of false truth and know the truth of God so they can see God in His truth in Jesus Christ so that they can identify godly direction, which way to step and which way not to step so that they can determine real Decisions that are in line with God Himself. Notice verse 19. As he speaks here about this rebuke, he says, Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Don't just keep rocking along. Be honest where you are and turn to God. C.S. Lewis wrote this, Christianity, if false, is of no importance... And if true, of infinite importance. The one thing it cannot be is moderately important. And then he says in verse 20, he gives us invitation. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Notice this church has become the church of the closed door. They've missed the opportunities that are around them. And Jesus is challenging them to be a church that lets love in and lets love out through the body of Christ as they've closed the doors. But he doesn't say, I'm going to break the door down, I'm going to barge in. He invites them. 
Often we use this verse, you know, it's used in evangelism. that Jesus is standing at the door of the heart, knocking to come in. But actually within the context, he's talking about to the church. He's saying, quit closing me out of your lives. Open your life to me. Open your heart to me. Don't close me out. He closes, he says, to him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He says, guys, if you trust me, turn to me, follow me, you're an overcomer. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches as he shares that over and over in each letter. Listen to what Christ is trying to say. That's his, that's his challenge. And, and I close with these two particular challenges given to this church that apply to all churches, us included. First, don't stop halfway. Aren't you glad when Jesus came as part of his mission, he didn't stop halfway, but he went all the way, all the way to Calvary, all the way to the valley of the shadow of death, all the way to the resurrection, all the way to the ascension, all the way. And he says to us, don't stop halfway. Go all the way. Secondly, do not settle for half-hearted. Don't just keep coasting. May God prod us along for his glory. I once heard uh, someone say that God's job is twofold. To comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. And too often it is far too easy for us to be um, too comfortable. I read in a, Daniel Cox, a former jet pilot, talked about a book that's called Seize the Day that discussed how the jet plane had evolved. And there's an ejection button for the pilot to get out in case of emergency. The problem is these planes go so fast that the pilot had a tendency to want to wait too long to eject because of the G-forces and the amazing speed He said, but the engineers looked at this and they came up with a solution. And I'll read to you from the book. Um, He says, the new design called for a two-inch strap. One end attached to the front edge of the seat under the pilot. The other end attached to an electronic take-up reel behind the headrest. Two seconds after ejection, the electronic take-up reel would take up the slack and literally force the pilot out of his seat thus freeing the parachute to open. The bottom line, he wrote, was that fighter pilots needed a device to launch them out of their seats. And the question is, what will it take to launch us out of our seats? To be His. To walk in fellowship with Him. Let's pray. Father, uh, Lord, we all have our Laodicean moments where we don't want to be bothered. I confess that, God, for me. Lord, uh, I just pray you open our eyes, Lord, that you give us a desire to, to put on your garments. Father, a, a longing to see clear. Our eyes have been blinded and clouded often 
you know where we are, Lord. And so I just ask you to speak and, Father, restore. And we just pray as we look at this church from Laodicea and you look here this morning at us, where are we, God? You know. And, Father, if it's time to be ejected out of the, the seat, Father, may you eject us toward your plan, your glory, your mission. Father, as we think about this, uh, Lord, uh, may we just respond if it's at the altar to come. Father, to, to remember you are holy and, and we are to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. and That means we'll miss you and that means others will miss you through us. May they see the Lord. Father, may we just respond to you as you lead in this time that we call invitation and response speak. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.